prayer well as a song of worship we need God's touch I know I need his touch a fresh wind of his spirit to blow among us convinced we all must be crackpots because it seems like his glory leaps out of us and of course it leaks out of us in a good way when we love him but it also leaks out of us so that we seem empty when we're not refilled by His Spirit on a daily basis. Turn me, we're in Ephesians chapter 2, 17 through 22, the end of the chapter, and we're going to look at a message I've entitled, God's Household. And someone asked when you find that, Ephesians 2, 17 through 22, if you'd stand in God's honor as I read from the Scriptures. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and arises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming near. At one point, we were all far away. But you came near. You left heaven so distant, and you came here where we are, Lord. And you made a way. The way of the cross leads home. And I pray this morning, Father, that we might hear that message And maybe one for the first time really hear the message and respond. And the rest of us, maybe we've heard, but we've grown a little deaf. And maybe we need to hear again. So, Father, I just pray you speak. Lord, your spirit is what we need. I ask for your anointing. I ask, Father, that you might, Lord, help me to speak and not rumble and babble, but to be clear. And, Father, that there would be a conviction of your Spirit. And, Lord, that we might be moved by what you have to say. And that we might be changed and brought closer to Jesus as a result. So, Lord, speak. We need you now. In your name we pray. Amen. The story is told of two brothers, farmers, who were also best friends, lived side by side as neighbors. And something happened after years of a great relationship. A word was spoken that was taken the wrong way. And before long, there was resentment. There was anger. There were harsh feelings. And then there was a decision for silence. You know, silence is not always golden. Sometimes it's very loud. Have you ever been around someone who wouldn't speak to you and it was loud? 
This was the kind of silence that was experienced between the two brothers where there was a type of anger and resentment. They wouldn't talk to each other. They stared over at each other's house. But they didn't communicate. And then finally, the younger brother one day came through the meadow that was near the dividing line of the property with his bulldozer. And he carved out a a creek down through there. Made the older brother really mad. He thought, man, what a jerk. I can't believe he would do that. That, that, That's just wrong. And a, a man came by, a man in the community that was known as a very good handyman. He was carrying his toolbox and he said, is there any work I could do for you around here? He said, yeah, come to think of it, I have the perfect job for you to do. I want you to build an eight foot fence that goes right down the line of, of my property here. You see, right over there lives my brother, my younger brother. And he's a real jerk. And the truth is, I don't even want to have to see his place. I don't even want to have to see his face. And so if you can build this eight foot wall, this eight foot fence with no gate, by the way, because I don't want him to come over here. And I'm not going to go over there. So I'm going to go out of town for a couple of days. And uh, when I come back, I'd love to see that fence. He said, by the way, there's plenty of lumber back here around the barn willing to use and uh, some tools, uh, post hole diggers, anything that you need back here if, if you need it. He goes, great, great, I'll, I'll get right to work. The guy came back after a couple of days. It was near the end of the day. And the handyman was finishing up his job. But what he saw was not what he expected. Because instead of an eight-foot fence, what he saw was a bridge, a beautiful bridge that went over the creek from his property to his brother's property, complete with handrails. He was stunned. And and, and he he got ready to say something to the handyman, and he, he came to the edge of the bridge, and he looked over on the other side, and there stood his younger brother. And his younger brother couldn't believe it. He had tears in his eyes. And he marched to the middle of the bridge, and he said, I can't believe you did this. After the words that we had and after what I said to you and after what I did with my bulldozer, I thought you'd never speak to me again. And you go and you build this bridge to show that you want, you want us to be back together. I can't believe it. Neither could the older brother. And he too came to the middle of the bridge and they embraced and they cried. And they were reunited. And uh, he looked over at the carpenter and he said, we've got some other work to do. He said, man, we love your work. If you'd stay and and do some more work. And he said, I would love to, but you know what? There's other bridges that need to be built. So I need to be on my way. Guys, there are bridges that need to be built. That's what Jesus is about. That's what the gospel's about. That's what his love is about. Is that there is a need for a bridge. Because people are separated from God and they're separated from one another. And it, it, he, Jesus is the bridge. He is the hope. He is the one who came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who are near. Of course, um, in verse 4, 
We read how he brought peace to the person, to the individual, to each person through the work of Jesus Christ. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. Then you come down to verse 13, and it talks about the Gentiles and the Jews who were people who were separated from different backgrounds, different beliefs. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. That these Gentiles that were born on the wrong side of the creek were able to walk across the bridge. Those of us who one time lived on the wrong side of the creek, Jesus is the bridge. And we were able to walk across that bridge and find peace, forgiveness, hope, love, meaning. To go across that bridge and we're able to go back and forth across that bridge. And God wants us to live in Christ, to walk back and forth on the bridge of His love, of of His person. and, And not to let offense with no gate mark our lives. But let that bridge mark our lives. Uh, What are the results of the bridge? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Four results of the bridge. First result of the bridge, guys, is we have a common access. Look at verse 18. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. That word access in that day was often used of the sacrifice that was brought to be offered for forgiveness. Brought to the priest as that rite was carried out. That ceremony was carried out. A, a blood sacrifice. To have access through the priest to God the Father. It was also used of one who would introduce a speaker. To bring him before a crowd. Someone who knew the people who knew the crowd and was able to say a good word for the speaker so the speaker would have access and the crowd would trust him. But this specifically here is talking about prayer. We are able to come before God the Father. At one time we were far away. At one time we were distant and we were unable to to really communicate with the living God. But Jesus has changed that. Jesus is the bridge, has opened the way for prayer that our prayers can go back and forth with the Holy God. We have that kind of access and that's the kind of work that Jesus has done. He's our source. He's the bridge. I love the story uh, during the Civil War of a guy who um, he was heartbroken by receiving the news that his dad and both his brothers died in battle in the Civil War. And his mother, they had a farm and harvest time was approaching and his mother was grieving after losing her husband and her boys. There was no way, he knew there was no way that she would be able to harvest the crops. And, and he said, and mom's going to lose the farm. Everything will be lost, be destitute. And so he asked his sergeant on the field, he told him the situation and said, is there any way I can go and harvest those crops and then come back? And he said, yeah. He said, I think it's a great idea, but I think you need to go on to the capital, Washington, D.C., and then you need to get permission from the commander-in-chief. And so that's what he did, guys. He headed to Washington, D.C. He came to the White House. He, he began to walk up those stairs that lead to the White House. And a guard stopped him. 
And he said, what are you doing? And he shared his story. And the guard said, listen, you're a soldier. You're not a farmer. Your duty is to go back there on the battlefield and to fight with all of your heart, to be a faithful soldier. That's what you need to do. You need to go back to the battlefield, son. And I mean, he was broken. He was destitute. He didn't know what to do. He was crushed. And so he was just walking down the street and he was broken. And this little boy comes up to him. And he says, sir, you look horrible. What is wrong? And he thought, what do I have to lose? I might as well tell this kid what's going on. I'll never see a kid again anyway. And so he just started weeping. And he just poured out a story, this little kid. And the little kid, he said, I think I can help you. And so he grabbed his hand and he led him through the streets of D.C. And he couldn't believe it, but he led him back to the White House. Walked right past that guard. The guard didn't even stop them. Walked right in to the Oval Office. Right in front of Abraham Lincoln. President Lincoln looked down and said, Hey, Dad, what's up? What can I do for you? And little Tad, Abraham Lincoln's son, said, I need you to help my friend here. And he was able to go back and save the farm. Why was he able to do that? He tried to gain access. He tried to go into the White House with his own story, but he was turned away. What made the difference? The son. Abraham Lincoln's boy, Tad, made the difference. And we've got a lot more, guys. We've got the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who speaks for us, who prays for us. Who's the bridge, the one on our behalf that goes before us? Man, what a blessing that we have in Jesus Christ. He is the access. Uh, Next, I want you to notice citizenship. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. (laughs) Guys, that's, that's who we are. We're not foreigners or strangers anymore, but Jesus has made us. Citizens of a country that's his, of a land that's his. That's the work he's done. We're his people. Through Jesus Christ, we become part of of his kingdom, part of his territory. And and part of that, as he speaks here, is those that love Jesus that have they've gone to the other side now. They've crossed over. They've gone through death, and now they're really alive. And as he's talking about that, he's remembering those wonderful people as he speaks. And he says, fellow citizens with God's people, some who are living for Christ, some who have gone the other side. And and, and what a blessing to be able to, to, to be able to, to be considered in the same group of those who love Jesus with a full heart, a whole heart. I love the story of the little boy who's looking at the, the uh, stained glass windows and uh, Oh, a person in the church had asked him, said, Son, do you know do you know what a saint is? And the little boy said, Yes, sir. He said, A, a saint's a person that lets the light in. That's what it's about. The light needs to be let in. We live in darkness. The darkness saw the light and didn't understand it. But the light who resides in us who have trusted Jesus Christ is to shine. To let the, the light shine so others can see the light and be led to forgiveness and to, to hope and to new life. And, and you know, it's, it's really awesome as you read about other people who love Christ. I love biographies. And, and uh, we, 
I know my wife loves Corey Tinboom, and I do too. Many stories of uh, just her walk with the Lord. And I remember Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, and Corey Tinboom actually was a member of his church for a while. And he said, he remembered the first time he saw her. He said, it's just like she came up to speak, and God showed up. The Holy Spirit arrived. He's like, what? Wow. You know, just just uh, Jesus leaking out of her, you know. And other people, um, C.S. Lewis and, and uh, just, just great people read about that uh, God has used to touch my life. Uh, and you guys can name people too. But, you know, we all shared together uh, biblical characters. I love Elijah facing all those crazy false prophets. And, and, and you know the story. I love it, man. It says God showed up just with little old Elijah. One plus God's always a majority when God's there. And, and just, just, just we're going to share that. And, and, and he, he shares, we're part of that community. Just what a blessing. I mean, it's just something to get excited about. Um, and how we are interdependent. How we share together as citizens and we work together. You know, for a government to work, for a community to work, the citizens have to work together. And as I thought about that, I, I ran across this true story of uh, two guys that had graduated from the Chicago-Kent College of Law. The highest-ranking student was a blind man named Overton. And when he received the honor, he demanded that his best friend come up there and share the honor with him. Here's the interesting story. Overton was a blind man. This friend of his, a guy named Kaz Prezak, had no arms. This man with no arms, was the, he served as the eyes of the blind man. And he led him around the school and he uh, the blind man would carry the books he would open the books <laughs> the guy with no arms would read the books and they would study together and when they graduated from law school top of the class they opened up a law firm together serving together working Together, the guy with no arms and the guy with no eyes, but together working beautifully. Citizens working together in Christ, we need each other. Your weakness, your strength, my weakness, your strength, together it's beautiful in the body of Christ. What we are given in Christ, when the when Jesus Christ would walk over that bridge, we're made citizens, working together for His glory. Um, just a, a, a great hope there, a great thought there. Um, notice, uh, members of God's household uh, speaks of the Father. Notice he uh, says here, uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, the key there, I believe, uh, the apostles and the prophets were those that God had chosen to serve Him and to love Him. But it's the truth of what they stood for and basically of what they taught, the instruction and the power of His Word, the instruction that came forth through the apostles and the prophets as they were messengers of that message. And so I believe what he is saying here, built on the trustworthy foundation of the authority of Scripture. Guys, sometimes I hear people that, you know, the, the Bible's an antiquated book and, and it's an old book and, it, you know, you need to grow up. This is 2011. You need to live today. Listen, the Bible is timeless because God speaks and God has spoken and we need to hear. 
That's where the authority is. In the word. I love what Charles Spurgeon used to say. That you know, they, they want to get into controversies about well, what part of the Bible is true and what part of the Bible is not true. He said, listen guys, he said the Bible is like the lion in a cage. We just need to open the cage and let the lion out. And it's true. Guys, the Bible is authority, but I don't even want to get in an argument with it. Like Mark Twain said, they asked him, they said, um, what part of the Bible do you not believe? He said, listen, I'm not worried about the part of the Bible I don't understand. I'm worried about the part of the Bible I do understand. Amen. Because what happens? The Word of God it convicts us as, as God speaks to us and shows us where we need to be. Whether it's we need to trust Him, the Savior, to forgive us, or whether it's specific sin in our lives that need to be dealt with, we need to become like God, and His Word shows us what that means, what that is like. That's so critical. Um, And then next, He speaks about the cornerstone, of course, who is Jesus Christ Himself. The chief cornerstone. And for a building to stand, there has to be that chief cornerstone. And all of the other stones are dependent upon how that stone is placed. It has to be perfect. And Jesus is the perfect one. He's what our faith is about. You take Jesus out, there is no faith. You take Jesus out, you take the resurrection out. Then we're to be pitied, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, because we're a bunch of fools. But He is alive. He is risen. And He's the cornerstone of our faith. He's the one that we look to. Um... I think about these religious teachers that were so into seeking the Scriptures, but they left Jesus out of it, and so they missed the whole truth of the Scriptures. I'm going to read to you. Uh, this is when Jesus was confronting these teachers who searched the Scriptures, but they didn't listen to Jesus. Starting at, This is John 5. I'm going to start at verse 36. He says, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the very... W- work that the Father has given me to finish in which I'm doing testifies to the Father that the Father sent me. And the Father who sent me has Himself testified concerning me. You have never heard His voice nor seen His form, nor does His word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one He sent. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What's he say? He says, you talk about the scriptures. You talk about what God has to say in these words that are, that are holy or, or sanctified or set apart. But guys, when you don't recognize me as the center of it all, Jesus Christ is the Lord, as the hope, as the Savior, then you nullify the Scriptures. You don't testify about the Scriptures at all. You miss it all. Notice what he says, you refuse to come to me to have life. Amen. The Scriptures always point to Jesus. It's, they're, they're not in disagreement. The Scriptures and Jesus are not in disagreement. The Scriptures and Jesus are in agreement. To understand Jesus, His Scriptures provide light. But the Scriptures will always lead to the light. Jesus Christ. So the faith is, is placed on it. And we're coming together in that faith as the cornerstone works. Um, all that prepares us for the common dwelling. Look at verses 21 and 22. In Him the whole buildings join together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. 
He talks about the building being joined together. He talks about a holy temple in the Lord. All of us together in Christ Jesus form this holy temple, this sanctuary, a place of worship. The sanctuary is not this building. Guys, we all make up the sanctuary. We're all stones in the building of God. All a part of the holy temple. And it says that we're being built together. It's still going on. He's still making us what He wants us to be as we live by the Spirit of God. Guys, He he is still at work. You know, there's one word in here that's not said, but it's spoken all over the page, even though it's not written there. Uh, you, You ever seen those books, Where's Waldo? What a nerd. And this little, you know, guy with the glasses, you know, the Waldo. There's all this busyness going on on pages, all this detail. And somewhere in all that busyness, all that detail is Waldo hiding. He's there. You've got to look for him. And even though it's not written here, even though it's not expressed here, the word church is all over this. Guys, I worry about those who talk about, I have Jesus, but I don't have the church. As a friend of mine says, I don't have to go to church, but I have to go to church. What is that saying? It's saying that, man, when God gets a hold of you, you become connected to His community, to His people, to His household, to His family, and you need to be connected with those. I know everybody's got stories. I know people that have been hurt by the church, have been hurt by God's people, and I I hate it. It breaks my heart. I know it happens. Someone has said, you know, a lot of times the church is like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm on the outside, you couldn't stand the stink on the inside. And, and, and you know, we laugh at that, but isn't that, I mean, that's heartbreaking. That's not God, though. It's not God. I know we have a lady in our neighborhood that my wife, I haven't seen her lately, but um, it's trying to talk to you. Just a lovely lady, and she's doing a lot of good community things. But she's really close to the church. She's really hurt to church. And, you know, she's got her story of where she was hurt. And, guys, because we are people, we hurt each other. But let me tell you something. If you belong to God, then you're part of the church. The church is not them. The church is me. The church is you if you are His. If you've been changed by the saving power of Jesus Christ. Your church. Your, your uh, kinfolk in Christ. The idea is not to get rid of the church. The idea is to get right with the church. Man, we're all a mess, but God wants us to work it out together. You see, that's what, uh, guys, that's what this is. This is about He is the bridge. Uh, as I close this message, a uh, story about two sisters who'd lived in this small apartment in olden days, way back before the conveniences, and they actually even cooked on a fireplace. That was their source of heat, too. These sisters were God fearing ladies. They got mad at each other. They got so mad at each other that they, they made them a, painted a line across the middle of the floor, went half right through the door, went right through the, right up to the fireplace so they could go in and out the door on their side of the property and that they could cook on their side of the fireplace and never cross over to the enemy's side. 
They went to church regularly. They read their big Bibles. They sat silently on their side of the room and sought God, never talking, never looking at one another. And having that silence that's loud. Until one day, one of them became very ill. So her sister crossed over to the other side of the room. And they had a little time left. But many years were wasted. Yeah, they read their Bibles. Yeah, they went to church. But they missed Jesus. And they missed each other. What about you? No, I know how we are. We get mad at each other. And we cut each other off. And the silence is loud. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to anyone here? Is there someone you need to cross over to the other side of the room? You need to see them. Who knows? Maybe they're even in here. Maybe we do need to go across the aisle instead of down the aisle. I don't know. Maybe it's not in here. Maybe it's somewhere else. But God says, I am the bridge. Jesus Christ is the bridge. And you don't just walk over it for personal salvation. You walk over it to straighten out those relationships in your life. And God says, it's time to straighten it out. Don't go to bed one more night with this bitterness, with shutting important people out of your lives. You see, I didn't come up with the idea of the bridge. God did. It's His idea. Jesus is the bridge and He's the way through it. And Maybe it's time to walk over it. Guys, uh, as I come to the end of this, what He's provided, He didn't save us just to sit around and be good. He saved us to go about to be holy, forgive, lift one another. What's He want to do? Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are, God. Thank You for an opportunity to look at Your Word. Where does it hit home? Father, I pray for each one here this morning to personally ask the question, do I believe this stuff? Do I believe that Jesus really is the bridge? And then to ask the question, Lord, uh, what does that mean? How has my life changed by that? And then third, to take a a long, hard look and think about when was the last time I really talked to the Father? When was the last time I really poured my heart out to Him? I mean, there is a bridge. Father, I just pray this morning, maybe there's someone who's never walked across that bridge. Calvary's made a bridge. Jesus is that bridge. It's in the form of a cross and we're able to walk across. I pray, Father, that uh, someone here might walk across this morning, Lord. And Father, I I pray however you want to work. There's an altar that's open. Maybe people need to come to come by access of the bridge of Jesus to deal with some something in in life. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to transpire not only with you but with other people. Lord, I just pray you work, Lord. We need you to work. As Dorothy sang, 
We need you now, Lord. We don't need you in the distant future. We need you right now. Show up, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.